United States. A document was written that most of you are familiar with. It's called the Declaration of Independence. And it declares that the colonies were going to be free and independent from the rule of England. In that document, in the preamble, powerful words were said among those words that Jefferson wrote were, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Inalienable means rights given that cannot be taken away, cannot be transposed to anyone else, but they cannot be taken away. They're rights given by God. Not rights given by the government, but rights that everyone is due that are given by God. And it goes on to say that among these rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We know that that was an idealism, but it was an idealism on which this nation was founded. And we have not always lived up to our ideals. As a nation, there are many mistakes, serious wrongs that have been done. But in the overall sense of being an exceptional nation in this world of many different kinds of government, kinds of government, the United States stands as a beacon of freedom and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. This is a place where most people are trying to get to, whether legally or illegally. They're trying to get into the United States. I've been to numbers, many, many places in the world. I don't know how many, but not all of them, but a lot of them. I've encountered a lot of people who wanted to come to the United States. I've very rarely faced any negativism, negativism about the United States of America. I've had a lot of people say when they find out I'm an American, oh, that's the place I want to go. And most of them want to come to stay. This is a great country. With all the faults and failures, it's a great country. It's also a country right now that's in a crisis. I believe we're with one of the most serious times of crisis that we have faced in our nation. I know we've gone through the Civil War. I know we fought World War I. I know we fought World War II. I know we had the Korean War. I know we had the Vietnam War. I know we've had many, many critical times in the history of our country. This is another one. And this is a time in our country where we need great prayer with fortitude and strength and faith that God will hold this country in his palms as he has over the years. We heard it mentioned this morning about and special recognition of Israel coming up in a few weeks. I believe one of the reasons God has blessed this country is because we have blessed Israel. I'm totally convinced that to be a friend of Israel is to be a friend of God. And you can't go wrong when you're a friend of God. So that's a, stat a status that we ought to maintain. I want to talk to you about another kind of freedom today. A freedom that anyone can have anywhere in the world if they will just exercise that direction to receive it that God has placed before us. He's told us in his word how we can be free and truly free. It's one thing to be politically free, and it's a great thing. But it's what enables us to 
church today and proclaim the gospel as we understand it and believe it. That's a part of freedom of speech. And the freedom to live our lives as we believe God wants us to is, is a wonderful blessing. But we also need a touch from God in order to make that possible if we're going to live in the freedom that He promises us, a freedom from sin, a freedom from the bondage that sin brings, a, free, a freedom from the enslavement that comes into the lives of people who follow the way of the devil and the way of sin. We can be free from that. You've experienced that if you come to Jesus Christ and receive Him as the liberating Savior. Because He is the freedom-giving Lord. Every one of us needs to be free. If we're not already, we need to come to Him to be set free from any sin that entangles any part of our lives. It's here for us because God's Word says He promises it to us, and God's Word says that it's ours if we have faith and if we receive it as He promises it and offers it to us. Jesus said, If the Son sets you free, the Son being the Son of God, if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. The King James says, you are free indeed. So if you've been freed at the altar of God, an altar that's in a church or in your heart, or wherever God met you and you accepted Him, you've been set free. That's what it means to be born again and come to Jesus Christ as your Savior. To be set free from sin and made whole from all the intrusions that sin has brought into your life, all the negativity that sin has sowed into your life, Jesus takes care of that in His forgiveness, in the forgiveness of His blood, and the redemption of His sacrifice on the cross. We all have freedom if we receive it in Christ. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter where we came from. It doesn't matter what our ethnicity is. It doesn't matter where, what our, what our, where our ancestors came from. It doesn't matter where we were born. It doesn't matter where we live now. The only thing that matters is that Jesus is alive and real, and because He is, He can keep His promises, and because we believe Him, He does keep His promises. He sets us free, and when the freedom comes from Jesus Christ, the great liberator, the great emancipator, He is, what, he is the one who gives the true freedom. And that's available to you and to me, and thank God it is, really and totally, without question. There is no bondage that He cannot break. No enslavement that he cannot overcome. The power of God is the power through Jesus Christ that makes us free. We sang a little chorus years ago. And you've heard it. Jesus breaks every fetter. Jesus breaks every fetter, every chain, every bondage. Jesus breaks every fetter. And he sets me free. He sets me free. So, there are so many things that can change in our lives. And once we come to Him and receive Him as our Savior and have been made free from sin, we have a great opportunity and a great privilege. And that privilege is to walk with Him, continue to make the decision daily that we are going to walk in His steps, we're going to fulfill His calling and His purpose, we're going to keep staying free because we put our trust in Him and make the right decisions that allows that to happen. You can make those decisions every day of your life. Because you can also, once you've been made free, you can also come back and restrict your freedom if you make wrong decisions. 
That doesn't have to happen. But it will happen if you make wrong decisions. There's one thing you can be sure of. Wrong decisions bring wrong consequences. You make bad decisions, you will have bad things happen. You make the decision you ought not to make an endeavor in the will of God, not in the plan of God, and you're going to find out that produces a bitter fruit. And it does not produce satisfaction and happiness and joy and peace. So if you make the decision, and some of them are just so easy, so such easy traps to fall into. It's just things that every one of us deal with every day. I hope you don't practice drinking alcohol. And I don't want to get into that right now. I know there are people who say, what's wrong with it? I don't know how I'm going to get on some subjects today that probably are kind of touchy. Not that you're guilty of them, but you just don't want to hear them talk about them. Got here on the wrong subject. I hope you're not. But, you know, there are, I, I have people that, that I know who, who they, they imbibe a little bit, but one of the worst things about that is, let's say you make the decision to drink alcohol and then go out and drive on the highway. You know, God isn't the only one that says that's a bad thing. The state of Florida will persecute you. They get hold of you, and it will cost you more than you could have ever imagined. And they will. Believe me, just because you get in the car and are driving and you've got Christian written on your bumper, they don't care. Do you make a bad decision, and there's going to be bad consequences. That isn't the only thing. You can go deeply into debt, not calculate the cost before you get there. Jesus said it's only a, an unwise man who starts building a house and doesn't know what it's going to cost him when he finishes building it. That means you run out of money if you can't get it done. So debt could be a real burden. I started to say a little bit about marriage, but I don't guess I will. Well, yeah, I will. <laughs> you know, a, a lot of you here this morning are married. And a lot of you are not. There's people over here that are not married. People out here that are not married. People here that are not married. They're over here, too. Over here, too. Now, the worst decision you can make is to marry the wrong person. That's simple. I knew that, but why'd you do it? Prayer. Prayer needs to be a part of our lives, a focus of our lives every step of the day. And I'm not trying to bring condemnation on you. If you've had a marriage that failed, I'm not trying to condemn you. I don't want to do that. That's not my intention to do it. God wants to forgive you and help you and love you and lift you up. But I just have to tell you the truth about it. When you're on this side of it, before you make that decision, make sure you make the decision that is the right one. I know some of you women are sitting there and said, I wish she had told me that a long time ago. I've been preaching it a long time. And I know some of you men be saying the same thing. Oh, Pastor, I wish I'd heard you say that. Well, you probably wouldn't have done it anyway because you got starry-eyed. And when you get starry-eyed and you see all of that fantastic, unbelievable care and love, you can't see the clear light of God any more than you can see the sun shining in the middle of the day when your eyes are closed. So habits become bondage. If you have the wrong habits, you'll have bondage. You will be, you will be 
Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You can be the man God wants you to be every single day of your life. You don't have to fall into the traps. You don't have to be caught in the snare of the fowler, the hunter, the enemy who's trying to bring your soul down. You don't have to have that happen. You can turn away from those things that you know are ungodly, those things that detract from spirituality, those things that impair your family, and God will set you free from it if you want to be free. He'll set you free. And if you've been set free, stay free. Don't fall back into that trap again. Anybody who falls into the same trap he's been in before after God lifted him out is a little bit stupid. Or maybe a lot stupid. So you need, to, you need to get free and stay free. You know what? Do you know what it is to be in bondage to a terrible habit? Some of you, I know you do. And, and I look around and I see people there that I know God has set you free. And, 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 and you should be, and, and I believe you are, walking daily in the praise of God that lifts him up for bringing you to that place of freedom and deliverance where you're no longer in bondage to those things that held you before Jesus Christ set you free. Don't ever turn back to it. Don't fall into it again. If you're in that habit that God breaks, it's much more difficult to ever get out of it once you sinned against the grace of God. Before you knew grace, that was one thing. You turn back and fall into it again. That's much more difficult to come out of. I want to tell you about a man I knew one time. This is true. After the early, early days of my ministry, I was the pastor of a church that was growing in. It's a church I had lost. Started, Carol and I started from the very beginning. It began to grow. And our influence began to spread. And a lot of people asked us for prayer and came to us for prayer. And called us up a prayer meeting and various things. So I met this man. And uh, he, he came to my church a few times. He never became really faithful, steady in the church. But he came a few times. And one day he came to me and he said, Pastor, I've been trying to quit smoking for a long time. He smoked a long time. He wanted to be set free from it. He said, I want you to pray that God will help me to stop smoking. Well, I laid my hands on him and prayed for him. And, and uh, now, this was in the days before we knew how bad it was. Now we've got all the scientific evidence that we didn't have back then. So I could be preaching science or gospel right now, either one. I'm still right on both tracks. <laughs> So he said, I'll be waiting for us. So I prayed for him. God set him free, delivered him from nicotine, from smoking, set him free. Now, some of you here may smoke. If you do, I'm not trying to condemn you. God will set you free from that, too, like you will anything else. Anything that's detrimental to your life that doesn't need to be there for the glory of God, he'll set you free from it if you come to him in belief. So I prayed for him, and he came back to me a couple of weeks later, maybe a month later. He came back and said, Pastor, I want to thank you for praying for me. He said, you know, since the day you prayed for me, the appetite for cigarettes was taken away. He said, it's been gone. I haven't had it since. I said, well, praise the Lord, brother. Let's rejoice together. He never did start coming to my church. He never joined the church. He didn't visit occasionally. And one day, about, oh, several months later, I met him somewhere, just by coincidence, apparently, not by coincidence, really, wanted to tell me something. I walked up to him and I saw him, and as I stood beside him, I saw him, he had a cigarette in his hand. I looked at him, oh, oh, he said, yeah, you know, 
you know, I just missed them so much. And he said, did you know that, that prayer was really real? You know, because, because when I started back to smoking, he said, it took me about two cartons, maybe three, before I could smoke one without getting sick. He said, I, I put one in my mouth and I had to, felt like I had to throw up. And every time I put one in my mouth, I'd get sick. And finally, after two or maybe three cartons, I got to where I could, I could handle them again. And I'm standing there amazed by listening to this. Now, I didn't make any part of that up. That is absolutely true. Why would somebody do that? I can tell you another instance. People right here in this church, not here today, weren't here last Sunday, and won't be here next Sunday. Just so you know, <laughs> we had a great time of this. This was actually in our old church. Great time of really moving, God moving, and people, and people just really came down to the altar. At that period of time, I don't know why it was just so many, maybe we had a lot of people who didn't smoke, and, and they, they brought their cigarettes and lit them on the altar, and this couple brought theirs. And he came up and talked to me, and he really wanted to be free, and I prayed for both of them. And I guess about three weeks later, I got a call from her, and she said, my husband and I, she called his name, wanted just to call you and let you know, Pastor, that when we gave up our cigarettes and we, we, we stood before the Lord, you prayed for us, and, and, we, and we did quit for a while. But she said, now, you know, we just want you to know, to be honest with you, we want you to know that we started back. And it's just decided we decided we like it so much, we just can't give it up. I said, well, God bless you, sister. Call her name. I'm not saying because many of you would know. <laughs> but I'm telling you that, and I, I'm, I know it seems like I just decided to get on cigarettes today. I don't know why. How, many times, how long has it been since you heard me even mention this? That's why, that's why I'm making up for it. But I, I, was, I had to tell you that example of the man who got sick trying to learn to smoke again. So I have to talk about it and say that. So part, I, I, I'm talking about anything, anything that becomes bondage to your life. Now, can you continue to walk with God? Yes, you can. But you won't live in the great joy that he has for you. You won't live in the great freedom that he has for you, the great liberty that he has for you. That will be taken away by following the things that inhibit that. To really get totally free of everything that obstructs your walk with God and holds you back from getting closer to Him is the greatest victory that you can achieve as a Christian and as a child of God. You, I, don't ask me, well, Pastor, as soon as I get out, Pastor, will you think if I don't quit that I'll go to hell? I am not the decider on that. I would say no. I don't believe that. I believe that you can go to hell once you confess Christ, if you push yourself far enough. But I do not believe that just committing a sin. I believe there's a way that God covers that, and I'll have to preach out another time because I don't have time to do it today. But I'm not talking about going to hell or heaven right now. I'm talking about living a victorious life, living a life that God gives you freedom and liberty to enjoy the grace of God. And be blessed by the power of God because you receive it, yield to it, accept the greatest things God has for you. That's what I'm talking about. Boy, I tell you, I, 
Stand, but we're going to have our baptism. But I just want you to stand with me for prayer. 